Hello and welcome to Karate Chop Bullying, where we're here to break the silence. Today on the show, we have personal fitness expert Sandy Griffin, who's going to tell us about her experiences with workplace bullying. But before that, we're going to have a little discussion of our own about whether it is a good idea to just call a business out online. Thank you for joining us. I'm Bruce Naxon, and joining me now is, of course, my compatriot, Tim Flynn. Tim, how you doing today? It's another day. I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? Well, it's another day for me, too, and tomorrow there'll be another one. Yes. However, didn't you have a little experience in the last other day that was yesterday? <laughs> I don't know if it was like another experience, but I'm a part of a few of these anti-bullying groups on the Facebook. On the Facebook. On the Facebook. We are on the Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook. And there's this one group that has a little bit more chatter because they are bigger. And I totally get this post. And this person made this anonymous post. This person wants to make a Facebook group page to bash another business because that person knows they treat their staff very poorly. So what do they want to do? Just to be clear, they want to put up a hate group for this business across the street and just talk smack about them. Yeah, so this anti-bullying Facebook group wants to make their own bullying Facebook group to bash a business that they know are treating their employees poorly. Okay, I guess my first question would be, how do they know this? That's a great question. They did not go into the details of it. So the comment that I made to that post was, be careful, slander is punishable. After I post the comment, one person comes up, well, so is bullying and abuse at work. P.S., not if it's true. And then someone comes to this person's aid against my comment, it's not slander if it's facts. And then it keeps going on. At the end of this thread, I'm like, you know, get a lawyer involved. They understand the law. Let them deal with this. If this business is bullying their staff, we don't want that business to win. So if we go and start naming this business on Facebook saying, hey, they treat their employees poorly, they're harassing them, they're, we're making all these comments, that business still has a right to defend themselves. And I think it is law, prove it, you're innocent until proven guilty. We cannot be the judge and the jury and sham a business that we may not know both sides of it. The perks of working with kids, I get to hear stories like this from kids' points of view as well. I had this one kid, this bully was picking on him, and this kid lost it because this student was sick of being bullied. So this student punches this bully in the shoulder. Well, that was the time when the teacher happened to look over and catch the punch on the shoulder. So my student had apologized to her bully and say sorry, even though she lost her cool because she just couldn't take it anymore. In that case, the bully won. So when we take things into our own hands the non-correct way, it may make us feel good at that time, but it's not going to solve the issue. In fact, if I'm going to go slander another business, that business can come back after me, and then I get in trouble. Well, yeah, and that's the thing about this. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm being bullied. It's another thing for you to go to a business and accuse it of something and it's not slander if it's facts, that's true. But it's not slander if you can 
prove the facts. And that's the important distinction. You have to have evidence to present, not just they bully their people. You need to have more than that. If you open up a Facebook page, this is something that can be argued as slander, as damaging to the business. And you would then be financially and legally responsible for the damages to that business. Whether it's true or not, if you do not have rock solid proof to present. And not all video is proof of what's going on as well. Video can be taken as two different ways. However, that person interprets that video. Well, also what happened before the video started, what happened after the video was cut? Exactly. Yeah. You know, I've worked in entertainment. We can re-edit things to make anything look like anything. So you have to be careful in accusations. Yeah. And I understand at the time, because, you know, I, you know, I've been bullied. We've all been bullied. I, if I say we all, Bruce and I, when you get picked on, you do want. Listen last week. Yeah, listen to last week. But you want to make that person, as my daughter calls it, humbled. You want to humble them. And, you know, and it might make you feel good. But in the long run, going this route, it may make you feel good today or tomorrow. But next week when you get a summons at your door, you're not going to be feeling so good because now you're going to be dealing with the law. And I suggest not to do that. One of my mentors gave me a good advice when you're frustrated at somebody. Very simple advice. Type it up then delete it. I've done that so many times. It's simple and it does work. You type it up in an email, get it all out, sit there, read it, think about it, and then delete it. I've done that many times when I get frustrated at people and it works. It calms you down. It gets it out of your system. I do this too. Whenever I get angry or irritated or see red in some kind of interaction, I will do a first pass of absolutely vomit out all of my anger and frustration at this person into an email that I then get rid of. And then I set forward my clear, concise, unemotional thoughts about the situation and then send that off so that they can't get into an argument with me. They can disagree with the points. They're not arguing with me and they can't disregard me for just screaming and yelling at them. And it does calm yeah. you down because you've gotten the poison out to some degree. Correct. I get it. You see something or it happened to you. Let's go on social media and let's just bash them. But is that making us any better than the person that is potentially treating our staff bad? No, no, it's not. Why stoop down to their level? Why can't we just rise up and be better than them? There is no good outcome when people react violently or they go off on a rant on social media. Nothing good comes of it. I mean, just dragging any argument into social media doesn't help anything. Yeah. Let it go. If it's happening to you directly, that's why we have lawyers. Let them deal with it. If you really want to get back at that business, putting their business name on a Facebook page about them and bashing them is not the way to do it. If you really wanted to do something that was real, you would gather this information and you'd submit it to some kind of labor board. Correct. Yeah. That's the right way of handling that situation. Here's the problem with social media, which I hate because when, when you write a post like this, you're all fired up, you're mad. And if you disagree with it, 
saying, like myself, I said, be careful, slander is punishable. You get like two likes. But then you get someone responding, do it when good men do nothing, evil triumphs. I'm like, yeah, you say that because your butt's not on the line. I mean, the reality is just getting involved in any kinds of arguments online, you're just feeding your own anger. It doesn't help you. One, it doesn't resolve anything. There's no, none of the great debates are happening on a Facebook post. Correct. And no one's coming to any kind of mutual agreement. It's not an actual discussion. It's just people effectively pissing at each other. Yeah. And ultimately what that means is if you engage in that, you're frustrated. Maybe you fed your anger. Maybe, maybe you made yourself a little happy because you got in that like killer quip or whatnot. But in the end, you're just covered in piss. You are being a bully back. You're doing it on purpose, right? You're planning this out and you're trying to take power over that business. The three top things that you need for it to be considered bullying. Now you're in this anti-bullying group trying to be against bullying, but yet... Your tactics are bullying. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, in fairness, people who have suffered through bullying oftentimes didn't have any kind of recourse in their situation. So it can be very validating to see somebody getting some degree of justice, even when it's not real justice. And it can create a bit of a mob mentality. I, I could see that being one of the dynamics at play here. I get it. And I get that when you're, you're hurt, your feelings are hurt, you want to pay back right now. Why do you have to go on Facebook and ask permission? So Tim, forgetting about this post and forgetting about this person, let's take a moment in this business. Let's say somebody, there is a business and somebody's getting bullied there. What would be your first piece of advice to this person to start dealing with this situation? Now, is this person witnessing this? Management is treating this person like crap. And I witnessed it, correct? You work at Widgets Incorporated, and they are doing everything to treat you like absolute crap. What are steps you can take? You're not the witness. You're the victim. I would definitely be Googling my labor laws or contacting my local workforce agency to see how I can report workplace abuse. Another thing you should be doing is documenting everything. If you get emails that are implying things that feed into the bullying, you don't just leave them on the company server because they can wipe that at any time. You make sure you're forwarding all those correspondences to yourself. That's another thing you can do to protect yourself. Yes, collect as much evidence you have as possible. If you, if you witness an employer treating an employee bad, it also wouldn't hurt as an outsider, send that employer a little letter and saying, hey, I saw this such and such on this day, this was happening. I just thought I would bring it to your attention. The more that you can intercede on behalf of somebody who is being victimized, the less power the victimizer has over that person. You can make a difference. And staying on the topic of workplace bullying, joining us now is personal fitness expert Sandy Griffin, who has her own experience with bullying in the workplace. Sandy, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing outstanding today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome. And to start, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you currently do? How did you get here? Well, 
I am a professional fitness coach, and my journey started way back when we moved to Germany in 2002. Uh, my husband is retired Air Force, and the military relocated our family overseas in 2002. And I didn't know much about fitness at that time and let myself go to the point where I was afraid I was going to die. So decided to start on a uh, health and wellness journey, which led me into lots of other things. But I am also a mother of three. I'm recently a grandma as of January. I have a four-month-old baby granddaughter. No, you're not. You are not. Yeah, there's no way. You look way too young. I am. <laughs> no, she's absolutely beautiful. Her name is Mavis. She's, she's going to be super strong when she grows up too, just like her mama. But my, yeah, my fitness journey kind of, um, kind of sparked everything that I do now. How did you go from, I'm getting into fitness for myself to be like, Hey, I see a career path here. I tell everybody it happened by accident. So I, I gained a substantial amount of weight when we got there and to the point where I was afraid I was going to die of a heart attack or stroke. And I didn't want to leave my kids without a mom. So I started this fitness journey, a skiing accident actually helped me start that because I had a knee injury that required therapy in the gym. After a few months, I actually started liking being in the gym, which was weird, and discovered that I was getting really strong. I started losing weight as a result. And then I had some folks started approaching me, hey, can you help me too? And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So let me, <laughs> let me take a certification course just to make sure I'm on the right track for myself. And I actually sat on that for uh, nearly a year. I never intended to do this as a career. And I was happy being a mom to my kids and doing some other things. Eventually decided to like, let me see if I can help change everyone else's life. Like fitness has changed mine. It saved my life. And it taught me so much about confidence and everything else. I thought if I can change someone else's life, I would love to do that. How long have you worked then as a trainer overseas? So my career as a trainer started in 2009 and I am still going strong. You started your fitness career in Germany. How long did it take to grow it? And how big did you grow it there? So I started in 2009 and I was really intimidated. We were part of the military community near Ramstein in Landstuhl, Germany. And so I worked with a lot of medical professionals. In fact, one of my very first clients was a doctor, which totally freaked me out. I'm like, a doctor is coming to me for help? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, and And of course she was near the age of 60, had a neck issue, had a shoulder issue, wanted to lose 20 pounds, had a lot of chronic pain. And she's like, can you help me? And I'm like, uh, I think so. If you'll be patient with me, I knew I was very honest and very transparent. So I soon discovered I knew more than I thought I did. So I began working um, with our active duty military community, um, our spouses and you know civilians that work overseas in the military community. We worked with people that had PT failures and, and things. And not only was I very strong for a female, so I was able to demonstrate and be an example of you can do this. If I can do this, anybody can do this. And it soon grew within a few years. I started because of my clients being medical professionals, my reputation started to grow. And I was actually part of a medical professional team that worked with our special forces members and our active duty military that were coming in from downrange injured. They put together a comprehensive um, wellness program for them because they realized it was more than just, you know, healing a broken bone, taking out stitches, whatever. There was a lot more to getting somebody whole and strong and well to be able to return to duty. And I was kind of at the tail end of that program. 
in the midst of all of that, I also discovered the sport of bodybuilding through my fitness journey. So I was the American liaison for IFUB International and worked with our military community um, overseas to be able to compete as international athletes with IFBB, which was really awesome. I think in 2013, one of the Fort Carson, where I'm at in Colorado Springs, one of the Fort Carson WCAP athletes, which stands for World Class Athlete Program, which basically they're Olympic athletes in training um, and is just part of an army program that facilitates that, was escorting a patient to launch stool and we met and she was just flabbergasted that somebody could be that strong, that lean, and not be starving themselves. So I became a consultant at that point for the national wrestling team, USA wrestling team, the women's freestyle team. And that's what kind of connected me to Colorado Springs, where I am currently. So I've had just a ton of amazing things happen, kind of by accident, but just really awesome things. I met some great people. And yet as big and as powerful as you were you still ended up in a situation where you were effectively bullied. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? It was, um, it totally came out of nowhere and completely caught me off guard. Um, With my bodybuilding background and all the community that I was plugged into, I helped the entity that I worked for do lots of events, especially bodybuilding events, and had a great relationship with them, actually. We were great friends. We had a great relationship, did a lot of great things for the community. And in 2013, the government did not pass the budget. And there was fear the government shut down for a few days. And there was fear about budget not being passed and everything. And so they canceled this bodybuilding show that we were planning. And I was in the midst of training 41 athletes for in all of our military communities in the area. So there was lots of different bases within Germany. And I was traveling to all these bases, doing workshops and training these athletes. Some of these people, we were halfway to the goal, which was a bodybuilding show, and they canceled it. And I thought, well, let's do it anyway. You know, I'll find a way. And I had some organizations that donated funds for us to be able to buy trophies and, you know, buy the little things that we needed to put on the show. We had an amazing event. But just a few months prior to the event happening, word had gotten out. This was going to be a huge community event. It was the biggest bodybuilding show that the community had ever seen, ever. (laughs) Can't have that independently, can you? Right. So the entity that canceled the show approached me and said, hey, we'd love to help you out, but we just need to charge admission at the door. Well, because I had been donated funds, it was billed as a nonprofit event and I, my integrity rises above everything. And I, I had to say, I'm sorry, but no, I had to politely decline. This is a nonprofit event. We can't charge anybody. And that did not sit well with that entity. When you found word that the event might be canceled, how close to the event date was that? It was about two months out. So I have friends who do bodybuilding. That's one thing. All that training and prep. Because I believe you guys are about a month away from like water cutting phase. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just stop. Right. No, you're absolutely correct. And a lot of these men and women, and this was more of a transformation show than it was a bodybuilding show. These were all first-time athletes. Some of these athletes had come off diabetes medication. Some of them had lost 50 plus pounds. Some of them had been told they could never do a certain activity again because of an injury and they overcame that and beyond. So not only was this a lot of intense work, but it was demoralizing to think that they had worked so hard and then they would have to just quit. And so I'm like, no, we can't do this. We have to keep going. Good job on your part for sticking up for you because that's that's not fair. 
especially with all the training and the mental training that goes behind bodybuilding, those starting out the rough nights, no way. Right. Very happy for you to stuck up for those people. And the community just needed a morale booster. They just needed something positive in their lives at that point. There were a lot of people that were worried about their jobs getting laid off, you know, as government employees and everything. It was a substantial event. I felt just had to take place. And was a roaring success. It was. How did you first become aware of this backlash against you? How did this begin? I don't necessarily remember. I think the first instance was they had, I became a sponsored athlete with bodybuilding through a company in Germany just in the way of they provided me free protein powders or whatever, um, just to basically promote their products. And so I brought the products in and just took pictures with them. And I remember being called into a meeting accusing me of selling the products inside the gym, which was not allowed. And again, integrity, that was something I would never do. I would never put my job at risk. At the time, I didn't know that the gym became my bully, the the employees at the gym would become my bully. I would never put them at risk either. I would never do anything that questioned my integrity or my practices as a business owner. And I was kind of shocked. I'm like, what proof do you have? Did somebody see me do something? Because I've never done anything. And it was the pictures. That's when the bullying really, really kind of escalated from there. What form did the bullying take? There, yeah, there were lots. Um, I was accused multiple times of unethical business practices, taking money for payment for personal training without my clients going through and purchasing their sessions. Even though I had receipts and my calendar to align every person that I saw, I was repeatedly accused of taking money under the table. They hired other contractors, other trainers to come in and I was harassed by them. I was accused of, um, what's the word, Uh, slandering other trainers. Like I was telling everybody that they were worthless. They were no good. They were, they didn't know what they were doing. And again, all of this was so unstantiated. Like they didn't have a person that they could say that, you know, brought this to their attention. There was no written or any other type of proof. It was all hearsay. And I'm like, if you're going to accuse me, then the person making these claims needs to have some proof. You know, I'm innocent until proven guilty, right? And it was always, I could be accused with no foundation, but even with all the proof I had, that was completely ignored. Um, I watched as other trainers were given perks and special treatment. Previously, all of us had been allowed to stand behind the counter and go upstairs and use the break room. After this started, I was banished to the bathroom, actually. They made me keep my items and all my, my business materials in a locker in the women's bathroom. So I, and I had male clients. That was the issue. I didn't just train females. I trained males too. It was almost humiliating. I was banished to the bathroom. I couldn't even have a drawer or a cabinet or anything to keep my belongings and my, my professional things in a place I could greet my clients when they came through the door. I had to go, excuse me, I have to go into the bathroom. You got my book. And so I watched as every other trainer except myself was allowed these privileges. And when I brought it to contracting's attention, it was kind of just disregarded. And after a certain point, they kind of made everybody do that, but not really. So it was was disheartening. The other trainers that saw this, did any of them stick up for you? No. No. Okay. No. And And it's not a male, female thing. 
But it just so happened that all of the bullies were male and they had all been friends for over several decades. And then all all the trainers that were coming in were also male. So I was a female in a very male dominated space. And of course, I'm I'm only five foot three. (laughs) So that was another thing, you know, like little tiny me, you know, that was another it was um, what right do you have to be in this male dominated place? Exactly. They made it very aware that I did not belong there. Was the sexism present prior to the event? No. No, like I said, we all got along great. We all cutting up together. We would all have our lunches upstairs in the break room together. And everybody had a great relationship. I, I never saw any of those bullying traits until this event took place. And it was because I told them no. And I didn't, I didn't understand that it's not okay to tell these people no. <laughs> so I stood up for myself. So the gym itself, was it connected to the organization that had pulled budget? Yes. This is all a military entity. Okay. And the tricky piece about that was in Germany, there's a thing called the SOFA regulation, Status of Forces Agreements Regulation. And because I was an American working in an American gym, training American clients, taking only dollar for payment, I still had to register as a German business because they did allow... German nationals to be employed in the same manner that I was as a contractor. So I fell under the rules of a German business. However, I was viewed as an American entity. So I had no legal recourse. And I learned this as this bullying continued and I sought legal help. The base would not help me, either Air Force or Army side. And I hired a German attorney. It was just a a terrible situation. I had no legal recourse and nobody would help me. Sounded like it got really nasty. It was. Yeah. As you were going through the bullying at the time it was happening, what kind of emotional toll did it take on you? It was, it was devastating. 2013 as an entire year was devastating for our family. Um, My husband was basically forced to retire from the military because of budget cuts. Uh, We had a a significant death in the family. We had one of our children going through severe depression and hospitalization at the time. And then I'm about to lose my job. So I thought, and it didn't happen for a few years past that, but I seriously thought I was going to lose my job. And it took everything we had as a family to hold it together that year. Devastating is not even, doesn't even come close to the emotions that we were feeling at the time. But you had your husband, you had your family, though, mm-hmm. to support you and back you up. Yep. And we're we're super strong unit. So we got through it. We got through it. How did this bullying affect your business? Did you lose any clients? Did your clients stick up for you? So I had, there were a few people and some of my clients, like I, I pride myself on really connecting with my clients to learn their stories, to really connect with them. Otherwise, I can't truly help them be healthy. So those clients absolutely 100% were behind me every step of the way. There were a few people who diplomatically remained neutral. They didn't not believe me, but they weren't going to join the fight and help me. Um, But most of my clients really, really tried to help me fight the abuse that was happening. Did the gym you were working at or the other trainers there try to insert themselves in between your relationship with your clients? Fortunately, no. And I think because I had such a deep relationship with the clients that I trained, they knew that that was a futile effort. What was your mindset every day going into this gym, knowing that 
you're just going to be crapped on. It was, it was hard. <laughs> Not going to lie. There were a lot of days where I wanted to punch something and I've never hit anything in my life. Never Not a person, not a wall, not anything. And there were many days where I contemplated that. And there were lots of days where I just, I would wake up in the morning, realize that I have to go back there again. And I have to say this person, or I knew that they were going to, they had a meeting scheduled that I had to attend to hear about whatever. And I would just wake up in the morning, realize where I was, who I was, what I had to do. And my stomach just sank. It just almost made me nauseous, physically nauseous to think about having to go back in there. Um, But um, quitting did cross my mind, but I'm really stubborn. So I just, I wasn't going to let it happen. (laughs) So how long did it go on for? So it started in 2013. It worsens and it kind of, kind of hit its peak at 2016. Um, They forced me to, I had 22 active clients at the time. They forced me with a two week notice to relocate to a different gym, which was 30 minutes away. So they knew none of my clients could follow me. A lot of my clients worked at the location at the hospital that was attached to the gym that I worked at. They knew that my clients could not follow me. So they knew I would lose my entire client list. And the reason for that was their offices were at that gym. And so they wanted me to work directly at that gym where their offices were located. It was twice as far from my home. So the commute was greater. I had no clientele. And because of that, they set me up for failure. It was basically a plan to set me up to ensure I would fail to allow them to cancel my contract. So because I would not work there, because I had a commitment to my clients at that gym, I did not go to the other one. And they said, you are not performing your duties as specified by your contract. And they canceled it. Were you able to take your clients with you and train outside of that gym? I was. So luckily, because of my reputation and because of the medical professionals I worked for, there was a physical therapy clinic that was off base in the German community. It was part of a gym and I went over there and spoke with them. They were super excited to have me. It was, it was so much better. It was so much better. It was like a whole new world opened up for me. And I would say 85% of my clients followed me and my business flourished after that, actually. Were there any further echoes of the bullying once you had your contract canceled and left the gym or when that happened that put an end to it? That pretty much put an end to it. I'm sure they continued to drag my name through the mud, but at that point, I didn't really care. Did you become less active in base activities after this negative experience began? I did. Not in the community, but with that particular entity's activities, absolutely. I never I never set foot in any of those again. That's when I really started becoming just prior to that, actually becoming the liaison for the bodybuilding community in the German community. And so I really started introducing our American community to that and really started embracing more of the German community, which was wonderful culturally for me as well. What advice would you give to somebody experiencing this right now? I would say, and I didn't, I didn't start practicing these things until a quite a quite a ways into the bullying because I didn't quite understand what was happening. I had never been bullied before until I was an adult. I'm the person that always has the glass half full. I always see the good in people until you prove me wrong. And it takes a lot to prove me wrong. I'll still second guess myself sometimes and think, no, really, they didn't mean it that way. You know, so it took me a little bit to realize, oh, this is for real. <laughs> this is serious. So practical advice, I would say, 
one of the most important things I did for my legal defense and for my protection as a business, I recorded all my conversations so that I never had to say that it was my word against theirs. I could say, here's our conversation and somebody could hear it for what it was. I made sure that I was never alone. There were lots of times where I was cornered. I had three people in the room and I was the only person in the room on my behalf. So I had three people's words against mine. So I made sure that I always had an advocate, whether that was a mediary or my husband or um, one of my clients or a friend or somebody that was a neutral party that could be in the room with me. And we recorded the conversation and I would not have a conversation unless it was allowed to be recorded. And in addition to all of that, I kept a journal of every email, every event, everything that happened to me, every comment that was made towards me so that I was able to present all of this to my attorney eventually. And unfortunately, again, because of the complications with being an American running a business in Germany, I just really had no legal protection. However, I think most people in this situation would have those legal parameters to protect them. And this could be very significant in their defense, you know, in their case. And then beyond that, advice going through this mentally, physically, everything else. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe that people should ever be abused. I don't believe I was supposed to be abused. However, I do believe that I have choices. And I had a choice in that situation to rise above my circumstances and explore the other opportunities that eventually would present themselves, which I've already mentioned, you know, turned out to be hugely successful. And looking back as horrible and as defeated as I felt during that time, I chose to learn and grow from the experience. We can fall victim or we can rise above the ashes and really grow from that. I discovered mental strength and confidence that I didn't know I had. I'm stubborn, but I didn't know that I had the ability to stand up to a huge entity and horrible people, (laughs) horrible people. And I didn't realize I had that in me. I'm considered myself kind of an introvert previous to all of this experience. I grew up as, and as a child, as a doormat, which is amazing that I wasn't bullied as a child, but made sense that I was, I kind of got bullied as an adult, I guess, but I learned a lot about myself and those traits, you know, the confidence and the strength that I learned, those traits in turn would help me grow my brand and my business beyond anything I could have ever imagined. So in short, if someone, you know, in their adult life is being bullied, stay strong, don't lose heart. And look forward to the amazing things that are going to come your way. It sucks to go through this. It totally sucks. But there's usually something at the end of this that you'll learn and you will just flourish from it and be able to pay it forward to someone else, to be able to mentor somebody else going through this process. I often refer to my story with this as You know, I've never gone through a miscarriage, but I appreciate the women that have that share their stories and try to encourage other women going through the same process. Same thing with bullying. I hope nobody ever gets bullied. You know, I hope nobody ever has to experience this, but I'm glad that I went through it in that aspect so that I can be a resource and a person that understands what they're going through and can help them navigate those steps. So let's talk about one of your success coming up shortly, which will also feature our very own Tim. Tell us about your upcoming event in Colorado Springs. Yeah. So 
as, as I went through my journey, I discovered all the amazing things that fitness had done for me and my confidence and my strength, both physically and emotionally helped me get through the bullying situation. And I really want to share that with every person I can. And I started to discover that training, even though I love one-on-one personal training, connecting with my clients, I really want to reach a broader audience with the education and the resources that our community has. And we relocated to Colorado Springs in 2019, and it's Olympic City, USA. It's a home of our Olympic Training Center and Paralympic Training Center, which is just full of inspiration and, and success stories. So I thought, let's get all of our resources pulled together and share what this amazing community has to offer for somebody that might feel hopeless, that might feel defeated. They don't know where to start. They're overwhelmed with information. Um, let's put it in one place and, and just give them amazing, a fun day of activities and people that really want to serve them. So we are hosting a large scale health and fitness expo, working with the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center here in Colorado Springs, Olympic City USA and Dick Sporting Goods. And our giving campaign, all of our admissions collected from the event are benefiting the Pike Speak Suicide Prevention Partnership, which is a registered 501c nonprofit. We have a huge veteran community here, very high suicide rate because of the PTSD that our warriors and our heroes have endured through their deployments and through their efforts to keep our country free. And so there is um, a huge need for mental health resources in our community. That's why we chose that campaign. We want to ensure diversity and inclusion in the realm of wellness and fitness for all of our demographics, including our children, our seniors, our persons with special needs and disabilities, and of course, our military and veterans and first responders. So we're really making this a comprehensive event. Our mission is to develop and maintain, um, help the Colorado Springs community develop and maintain a vibrant lifestyle, regardless of their age, no matter if they're just starting out in fitness or they're the elite athlete looking for the next challenge, whether they know a lot about fitness or they're just, they don't know the difference between a barbell and a dumbbell like I did when I first started. So we're, we're just really passionate about providing education, real connections between businesses in our community, and um, really hoping to make this, um, I think we're ranked seventh healthiest state currently. And I'd love to see us get up to number one. How many years have you been running this event? This will be year number three for doing an expo, although this is the first year at this scale. So this is this is a huge event. Wow. And we'll have Olympic athletes, Paralympic athletes. They're sharing their inspirational stories and all of the obstacles they have overcome to get where they are. Um, we're going to have a 50-foot obstacle course for families to run through and do things together. A Bounty Castle Obstacle Ninja Warrior course. Uh, we're going to have live bike stunts, guys doing the backflips and 360s landing on the airbag. We're even having a mobile blood drive. So just attending this event, you can save two lives. You can save one because your admission fee is going to go to the Pikes Peak Suicide Prevention. You can save a second life by donating a pint of blood. Bruce, you are missing out. I'm so excited to be <laughs> a part of that with you guys too. Yeah. And I'm so excited you're going to be there. I'm so excited you're going to be there. Well, since I'm missing out, instead of just having a nice off-ramp of Sandy's interview, instead I'm going to just put her on the spot out of spite. So you have 30 seconds to give the one fitness tip, the best fitness tip you can give to anybody. Start small. Everybody wants to conquer Rome in a day, and that's where we fail, we epic fail. Start small if it means getting eight hours of sleep, if it means drinking water. It can be that small. And think of a compass. 
you get off one degree, it doesn't look like much for the first couple of days, but two weeks into your journey, you're going to be like, where the heck am I? Start small and that the small steps will lead to big changes over time. I love it. <laughs> Sandy with an eye, thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your story and for being so open and for doing all that you do. Thank you for bringing all of this to the forefront and really making a change in, in our in our world. Um, this is not just a, a state problem, a community problem. It's a, it's a big problem. And I, I appreciate you guys educating and sharing with everyone. We appreciate having you on the show, sharing your story. I know sometimes talking about this, some people think it's a sign of weakness. It's not. It's growth. And mm-hmm. you truly learn something through this. When you're getting bullied, people at that time think about, wow, this is horrible in my life. But when you think back to it, you learn so much about yourself. If you can persevere through that, you can pretty much persevere through anything. Sandy, if people want to get a hold of you, how do we do that? You can contact me on my website, Sandy Griffin, Sandy with an I, Griffin with eyes dot com or reach out to me at my email address sandy.griffin at me.com and as to where you can find us you can find us on facebook at our very own support group which is karate chop bullying support group where not only will you find posts with some information about bullying but you can share your own story with us and you can also email your stories at karate chop bullying at gmail.com If you are a victim of bullying, you can find some resources at the government's own bullying website, which is stopbullying.gov, as well as at pacer.org slash bullying. And if you're contemplating suicide or if you're having bad thoughts, we implore you to reach out to the National Suicide Hotline at 988. I'm Bruce Naxon. For Tim Flynn, thank you for listening. Here, we're going to break the silence on bullying, and we're going to continue the conversation next week.